to carry on with our series uh, we've been dealing with. If you came tonight and you're like, oh, we're going to get great music, well, we're going to get some preaching too. So uh, looking forward to that and uh, trust it'll be a blessing. We've been in a series on Sunday night. Uh, we say this about, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, six months ago or so, the Lord really began to convict me about Sunday nights. Uh, that we needed to be doing something a little bit different. And so we've done this now for a, a time where we just kind of do something practical. You can take home, put it in your pocket, and hopefully use it uh, this week. And so we did a whole big series on prayer, and uh, that was very beneficial. It was a good study for me to do, and hopefully a good practice for us to go through as a church and to learn. And so now we're dealing with this idea of personal finance and what the Bible has to say about money and uh, what he wants us to do with it and not do with it and how we ought to manage it and an attitude toward it and about it. And so thankfully the Bible is not silent on this issue or else we'd be in trouble, okay? Because uh, we get ourselves in enough trouble with everything the Bible ha does have to say about it. And so looking forward to going through this tonight. Now, <laughs> um, we're going to deal with this idea of budgeting tonight. And so definitely more of a hands-on practical sermon here. And like I said, maybe move this a little bit of a quicker uh, clip, just understanding uh, some of you folks probably want to get home, watch a baseball game, or go out and eat, or, you know, put your kids to bed at a reasonable time. So uh, being mindful of that, uh, we're going to do this and make good, quick work of it. All right, Luke chapter 14 is our text tonight. Uh, Luke chapter number 14, and, when, and if you find your place there, let's stand together uh, to honor the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter number 14. Luke chapter number 14, verse number 25, Luke 14, 25, it says this, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. That's some starch words there, aren't they? Absolutely. Uh, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you got to hate them. Now, we're going to give some explanation to that in a minute. You say, well, that doesn't seem to fit in with the rest of the Gospels. So we'll give some explanation to that here in just a moment. Uh, verse number 27, he actually goes on even further, and he says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So now we get two illustrations of this very truth. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Another illustration, verse 31 says, Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and, uh, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise... Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. So we're going to talk tonight about budgeting, and you might be wondering what from the text we just read, but we'll make some sense of that here in just a moment. So you can be seated. Thank you for standing uh, in honor of the Word of God uh, here this, uh, this evening. <clears throat> 
Now we're going to talk about a dirty word here tonight, as I've already said, budgeting. And for some, it's a dirty word. Uh, one person wrote this, my husband brought someone into our marriage this morning that I really think will ruin us. Someone talked some sense into him and then put hashtag Dave Ramsey, hashtag budgeting. No, I thought that was rather humorous. So the truth is, is that budgeting is not meant to be a dirty word or a complicated thing or limiting or anything negative. And God's word actually does talk about the wisdom of planning ahead and being wise stewards of the resources that God's giving us by allocating our dollars and giving everything a name. Now, just to do a quick review, this is sermon number five or lesson number five, however you want to call it, in our series here, Dollars and Cents, and dealing with this idea of personal finance and how to manage our money as a good steward. So, uh, just to kind of do a quick review here and get us all up to speed, the first thing, lesson that we had, everything belongs to God and comes from God. So a good reminder of this, God doesn't just own the 10% that we give Him in His tithe, He owns 100% of it, right? And that changes our perspective on money because now we want to be a good steward in how we manage every single dollar that God has given us, and we want to be wise stewards of that. Okay, the second lesson we talked about this is God wants you to be a worker. Don't be a sluggard. Okay, do all your work for the good of others and for the glory of God. Uh, work. That, I mean... Say this, the Bible has a lot to say about the slothful and the sluggard, and we're living in a culture that is quite that way. And we need to be very diligent to teach our children and our grandchildren, hey, there is great reward in good hard work. Amen. So don't be a sluggard. Okay? Uh, then the third lesson we have was about contentment. Learn contentment, and the way we learn contentment, Paul said that he learned it. It was a learned behavior. It wasn't by default. And the way he learned it was by giving thanks for what he already had and learning to give to others. That's how contentment was learned in his life. And contentment's a good thing to learn. Uh, godliness with contentment, the Bible says, is great gain. Okay, so good, good thing to have in our life is contentment. And then the last lesson we had uh, here two weeks ago was this. Debt is dangerous, so do your best to avoid bad debt. And, of course, uh, there are, is some areas in which there's some allowances, and we, it's okay to go into debt when we're wise about it and smart about it. But there is a lot of debt that's very dangerous out there, a lot of consumer debt. You can get in a lot of trouble. And the Bible has a lot to say about that, the, the borrow, being servant to the lender, being a slave to them. And it's a dangerous thing to get into. So this week we're going to talk about this idea of budgeting. Now in our text here, I do want to give context instead of just ripping verses out and making them say whatever I want, right? The Bible has a context to it. And so the, the verses that we just read really have to do with this, the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. So at, at this point in Christ's earthly ministry, many people were following him for all the wrong reasons. Uh, I wish I could say everyone was just following Jesus for the right reasons, but there was a ton of people that followed Jesus for all the wrong reasons. See, Jesus could heal the sick, feed the multitudes, and even raise the dead. And a lot of people were following Jesus for those reasons instead of for seeing Him for who He was as the Son of God. Now, with this in mind, our text actually tells us this. There's this great multitude, and Jesus turns to the multitude and addresses them and gives them some very candid, and some might even think, harsh truths. Well, what was that? To be a disciple of Christ, it costs something. To be a disciple of Christ, it actually costs you something. 
So verse number 26, he identifies this, that our love for Christ should be so radical that our love for others would be comparable as hate. Now, Jesus is not actively telling you to go hate your brother and your mother and your children and your parents and all that. Okay, that, if, you, if you walk away with that message from it, you're, you're missing the context of what he's dealing with here. He's using a comparison to say this. If you're going to be my disciple, your affection and your devotion and your mindset and your heart should be so affixed on me that the secondary love that you give even to a spouse or a child, it appears almost as if it's hate in comparison. That's some strong devotion to Christ that he is calling for. You say, well, what kind of that? Well, verse 27, following Christ means you're going to be willing to lay down your own life to identify with Him. He says, you're going to take up your cross and you're going to be my disciple, take up your cross and die daily. You're going to identify with me and even my death. Verse number 33, if you're not willing to forsake it all, you cannot really be a disciple of mine. True fellowship of Christ will cost you something. So he gives two illustrations to uh, help us understand what it means to count the cost of discipleship. In verses 28 through 30, he gives the first illustration, which is this, building a tower, or maybe we would identify with it better, building a castle. The word that's used there, tower, is kind of like the keep of a castle. Now, I don't know if you've seen any castles recently, but that's a big construction undertaking. We're not talking about building like a little cabin. We're talking about building a large structure here. And so he says, if you're going to build a large structure like this, there needs to be some consideration of the cost before you begin. Because otherwise, you're going to start building and get a good way into the building and then go, I'm out of funds. And then everyone's going to look in and go, well, that guy did something pretty dumb, didn't he? Yeah. Wasted all that money and laid the foundation and got a portion of this built and now he'll never enjoy it because he didn't count the cost. Yeah. So the idea is this. If you're going to be my disciple, you better count the cost because following me means laying aside everything and being all in. That's right. So that's the illustration that he uses. Verses 31 through 32 gives another illustration, going to war. Well, this is a good one. If you got 10,000 men and the other guy's got 20,000 men, you better think before you poke the bear. Right? If you're going to go to war with him, you better make sure you can beat the guy with 20,000 with your 10,000 before you decide to go to war. Or in verse 32, he says, you better draw up some peace documents that sound really good and avoid war altogether. Again, it's this idea of counting the cost and being wise about this idea. Now, all the context here is dealing with this, the cost of discipleship. But within this very text, it teaches us a great truth about who God is. Well, here's the great truth about who God is. He asks us to consider the cost of something before we make a decision. That's who our God is. Our God is one who doesn't anticipate or expect us to just jump into something without any thought. Our God is a God who says this, there are some things in life that require thought and diligent consideration before we act upon them. So God desires to be thoughtful before taking action. Here's another verse that maybe would be helpful uh, in this way. Proverbs 21.5 bears this truth out in a financial way <clears throat> about being thoughtful and being planning. 
Proverbs 21.5 would read this way, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. You see, the, the difference that's laid out here in this verse is this. Diligent thought will lead to gain, while hasty actions will lead to want. <clears throat> that's the truth of the verse here. And we can see that character played out through Scripture with our God, which is this. If you're going to be hasty with your actions and give no thought, it's probably going to lead to loss and want and not having everything. But to those who are diligent in their thought about the action that they're going to do, it will tend towards plenteousness. It will be gain. It's a positive result of those who will be thoughtful about what they're trying to do. So with that in mind, we'd like to deal with this idea of a, a budget, of this idea of being thoughtful with the money that God has given us, that God wants us to have a written plan for our money, and this is called a budget. <clears throat> now, if thoughtful planning is wise and leads to gain, then a budget is necessary. So Dave Ramsey writes this, and again, regardless of your opinion of him, some of the things he writes about money is, is very good and very biblically based. So he writes this, a budget is just a plan. It is not a restriction on spending. It's a plan for what you'll do with your money. It's a plan for what's coming in and what's going out. A budget is writing down what your money will do every month. It's giving your money a name and a purpose. It is taking control. And maybe think about it this way. Instead of your money telling you where it wants to go, you get to tell your money where you want it to go. That's what a budget gets to do. Budgeting tells your money where to go instead of you wondering where it went. <laughs> a great way of being able to say that. It shows your money who's in charge, who's the boss, and who is that? It should be you. Right? You're the one in charge, so you're going to tell your money where to go. But let's be honest, a lot of us, we might feel out of control in that department. Some people say, man, it feels like there's more month than there is money, and I feel like I don't have a good handle on this thing of my finances, and it feels like it, it, my money's just in charge. I'm not in charge of it. I feel like I don't have an idea of what's going on with this. Well, here's a cry from the Scriptures and a cry from some wisdom here of saying this. God wants you to be in charge of your money and wants you to tell your money where to go instead of you wondering where it went. The danger of living without a budget is that you tend towards want or not having enough money for the month. Okay? So and that's the scriptural principle of Proverbs 21.5. It's simply this. Someone who's thoughtful tends towards plenteousness. Somebody who just shoots from the hip and has action and has no thought, they tend towards want. Okay? That's the scriptural principle that is there. Okay, so here's the, the five-step plan, if you will, okay, of how to budget, okay? Now, some of y'all, this is like elementary, you've done this, you know how to do it, your ace is at this, you've done it for years. For others, this might be the first time you've ever heard something like this, it might be new information. Um, a lot of people said um, they're really thankful every time a polygraph, or polygraph, a uh, parallelogram season comes around. 
in April that they can do their parallelograms and stuff. Sometimes some of the stuff we teach in school, like A squared plus B squared equals C squared is good. It's not a bad thing to teach. But there's a lot of more practical things like budgeting and, and personal finance and taxes and things that sometimes gets left out. And if you're like me, uh, going through the public school system, I was never taught any of that. I, I never was. It never was a part of our curriculum. And so a lot of this I'm thankful for a parent who helped me understand and teach and so others who got me some good resources in life. So here's step one. List your income. So obviously income is any money you plan to get during the month. So no cheating here on this one, okay? Uh, so this is your job, side hustles, gifts, all income that comes in through the month. You would list that all out, all the planned income that's supposed to come out for that month. So maybe uh, here a little bit of an example. Say the husband's first paycheck is $1,500. The wife's first paycheck is $1,500. The husband's second paycheck is $1,500. The wife's second paycheck is $1,500. And then they have a side hustle where they make 500, meaning that they're anticipating for their household the total income for the month to be about $6,500. Okay, so that's just writing out, hey, this is going to be this one, this is going to be this one, this is going to be this one. Now, someone might be here and they make an irregular income. Okay, so maybe it is for you one month to the next is not the same. They, they bounce around because you're on commission or seasonally it's different for you. So if that's the case and you're on irregular income, Look at the last few months and do the lowest month and set your budget off of that. And then if you have surplus, then you can address that later on in the month and add it in. It's better to have extra to add than to be taking things away. Okay, so it's a good way to deal with that if you're on an irregular income. So that's step one. Step one is to write out your income. This is how much money is going to come in. Step number two is this. List your expenses. Now this is more where the rubber begins to meet the road. We've planned for the money coming in. Now let's plan for the money that's supposed to be going out. Okay, So uh, group your items or the things that you're going to spend money on into categories and even subcategories. Uh, you can make this as elaborate or as simple as you want. Okay, You can go crazy or you can be really basic and really simple. So just for... Uh, giggles and maybe a little bit of helpful thing. I pulled up me and Evie's budget that we use every month and wrote out the categories that it's actually on our personal budget on this, these categories. You don't have to use these. You can use something totally different. Maybe it's not applicable for you because you don't have kids like we do. Or maybe it is you got a lot more kids than we have. And so things are going to be different. Now, I don't have, obviously, the dollar amounts and all that here. didn't want to get that personal. didn't figure my wife would appreciate that. Uh, but did want to list, actually, the, the names of the categories, just to help you kind of see how that might work out. So, again, I'm not going to really dig into all of these. It's more there just for you as a tool. Um, at the end of this sermon, I'm going to have some other things that hopefully will be tools that you can use as resources apart from the notes that we've given here. But I do want to point out one thing. The first thing that we've added on our budget ever since we got married has always been a giving. Um, we, we believe in the principle of first fruits and believe the Bible teaches that. And so we're, we'll get to that in another lesson, what the Bible teaches about giving and, and tithing and things like that. But for us, we say this, just like Uncle Sam takes his cut before we ever take any home, right? It's, you get your check and, and you're like, wow. The net is way less than the gross because Uncle Sam decided he wanted to take a big chunk of it. Yeah, well, if we view it this way, we say this, just like the taxes come off the top before we ever address anything else, we, we view God's money the same way. 
And as much as I'd hate to get in trouble with Uncle Sam, I'm much more concerned about robbing God of his money. And that's another sermon for another time. So we always do this. We have our first fruits. The first thing we always list is that tithe, that 10%. And then for us, our other giving, of course, missions, building fund, or other things that we want to give to that are involved in there. Of course, you got, I'm just going to list the, the major headings. Of course, there's subcategories in this. Savings, uh, housing uh, issues and, and items there, transportation, food, personal, lifestyle, medical, insurance, debt, which we're very thankful we don't have right now. Very grateful that God has enabled us to be debt-free. And then, of course, gifts and retirement. So those are some of the major categories. And, of course, there's some subcategories underneath those. But I'll say this. That might not be what works for you, but have a written plan, right? Write out categories and and have that, and you're going to put a dollar amount beside each one of those. So here's the thing. Start with the essentials. So you say, well, what are the essentials? Well, God's money, tithe, the food, essentials, uh, utilities, excuse me, shelter, transportation. So there's a lot of things that we think are essentials that really aren't essentials. Eating out. Please don't throw songbooks at me, ladies. I love you, but don't do this. Uh, Nail salons, new clothing entertainment, that's just to name a few, are not essentials. What? Right? My Starbucks is an essential. I cannot live without my steal your bucks every morning. Now, I'm being a little dramatic here, but I'll say this. Yeah, that's what I call it. If, if you call it Starbucks, that's more power to you. I don't drink coffee, so I can pick at people that drink coffee. But uh, steal your bucks, yeah. So, I'm telling you, just pick at it a little bit here on that. But I'll say some things that we identify as essential, we honestly really could live without. They are not essential things. But there are truly those things that are essential, okay? Like your groceries and actually having a roof over your head and having transportation. Those are essential things uh, that are a part of our life. So what that looks like is you would sit down and whatever your, your mortgage is or your rent Writing that out, right? That dollar amount. And then going through and saying, hey, if there's a car payment, you know, writing that out, right? You don't want that getting repoed. You know, write out that car payment and, and how much you're planning on spending on fuel that month and, and insurance and, and write out those essential items. You know, how much you're going to spend on groceries. And some of those are fixed expenses, aren't they? They're the same every month. Those are easy. But others of them, they do fluctuate some. And, you know, groceries from one month to the next might fluctuate a little bit, and and we could be a little bit more maybe tight on some of those things. But set out a dollar amount on each of those items, just out to the side, write a dollar amount for it. Now, after the essentials, you can move to the discretionary or the non-essential items. Now, of course, don't forget categories like saving and investing and those items that are there as well. So now you can start writing in you know, the streaming subscriptions that you have and uh, extracurricular activities and eating out and all that stuff, start filling it in. So that now we've, we've done that, okay? We've written out our income and now we've written out our expenditures, the amount we're planning on spending on all those things. So that brings us to step number three, subtract. <clears throat> now this is a zero-based budget. That's the goal at least, Okay, so now it's time to do math. Subtract your expenses from your income. This number should equal zero. 
which means this, if you're planning on $6,500 coming in for the month, the money that you've put in your expenses, including investing and saving and stuff like that, should equal $6,500. In our example, budget, okay? So if you have $65 coming in, you have $65 going out. Now, a couple things I need to put out with this. Zero uh, is the header there. It says this. This does not mean your bank account reaches zero. <sighs> That's not what we're talking about, okay? You're like, oh, this budgeting thing's cool. I have $6,500 come in. That means I get to spend $6,500, take my bank account down to zero. If you walked away from this lesson with that in mind, you missed it, okay? That's not what we're talking about. Uh, you obviously want some buffer in your bank account. Uh, the Lord has enabled me and my wife from the time we got married. Uh, we said we were going to do this. We set up our budget to kind of be a month behind us. So we're always kind of a month ahead, if you say that. And now, thankfully, the Lord's allowed us to be much more than that. But there have been times in our marriage we were thankful that we were a month ahead on things so that we weren't feeling like, oh, man, i got to run to the bank on payday and cash this thing or we're going to be broke, right? We had that buffer that was built in there. So don't, don't let your bank account go down to zero. That's not what we mean by a zero-based budget, okay? This also doesn't mean you blow all your money. You work hard for your money, so make your money work hard for you. Every single dollar. It's a good thing to remember on that. So the question then is this. What happens if you end up with a positive number? You've budgeted, you have income of 65. You've got expenses of uh, 6,000. You've got $500 extra. That's a good problem to have, right? So now you've got these $500 that you can plug in whatever category you want to, and what a great opportunity to invest and save and give. When God gives a surplus, what a great opportunity to invest and save and give. That really is where that winds up being. Now, I'll say this. Um, that's really where it's at that point where God wants us to give our faith promise. And, and, and God's not asking you to give something you don't have. He's asking you to give something that you do have. So that's the point where we're able to give above and beyond the tithe. That's where that comes from. So, of course, that's why it's called grace giving, because God wants us maybe to give up some things, like steal your bucks, so you can give more to missions. I'm really picking on the coffee drinkers tonight. I'm sorry about that. God wants you maybe to give up eating out some. Instead of spending $300 a month on eating out, you spend $150. So now you've got $150 you can give to God in missions. Right? That's what faith promise looks like. And that's where that, how that plays into it, okay? So if you have that positive number, find a category for it to go in. If you don't, it will. If you don't tell the money where to go, it'll find its place where it should go. And usually it's wasteful. Yeah. If we're not paying attention, money finds its way out of our hands and out of our pockets quite easily, okay? So what do you do if you end up with a negative number? That's fun, isn't it? No, it's not fun at all. But it'll be okay, uh, honestly, if that happens. This means you need to cut some expenses until you get to zero. That means maybe a subscription needs to be canceled. That means maybe the daily trip to steal your bucks needs to be cut down to once a week. Yep. So that means there needs to be some expenses that are cut. And here's the reason why. Uh, you can't spend more than you make. Otherwise, you're going to wind up in a heap of trouble. Okay? You can't spend more than you actually make. So that's step number three. We want to get to zero, which means this. I've got 6,500 coming in. I've budgeted 6,500. Okay, we've got a zero-based budget there. Okay, so step number four then, this is a key and very important step. Track your expenses. 
This is probably the most important step of the whole thing. Here's the reason why you need to track, track your transactions, every single one of them. So every time you make a purchase, you need to track that. Putting your plan down is only good intentions without this step. It's like desiring to run a marathon, making a training plan, putting on your tennis shoes and lacing them up, and then flopping on the couch and eating a bag of chips. Now, I can pick on me and my wife a little bit on this one. We got a workout program some years ago because we were going to do it and we were going to lose weight and it's going to be awesome. And we wanted to know what we were doing the next morning. So we sat down and ate a bowl of ice cream while watching the workout program the night before so we knew what we had to do. It was the most shameful thing I think I've ever done in my life. But I'll say this, uh, that's what a budget winds up being if you write out this awesome plan and have it all zero-based, and then you don't follow it at all. It's having good intentions, but that's all it stops at being is good intentions. you got to follow through with it. This means you account for everything that happens with your money all month long. So simply this, you get gas, record it. Right? You stop at the gas station, pump $50 in gas. So now you've, you've written down your income, you've written down your expense, so now you're going to write down all these transactions and all the categories they go. So you budgeted $200 that month for gas, you just spent 50, boom, right? Write that down. Okay. I say write it down, very few people are writing things down anymore, right? We're using apps or uh, using some type of a computer program for most. If you are writing things down, more power to you, praise the Lord, that's a blessing. Okay. Uh, you pay your mortgage, write it down, right? Have those things and track them along the way. So this step will help in many ways. Here's four things it'll help you with. It'll help you stay accountable. This, this is wonderful. Why? Because you said you were only going to spend this much at still your bucks. And now you've spent this much, which means you're tapped out. And it's only three days into the month. <laughs> that means for the remaining 27 days of the month, no more still your bucks. Well, what's that? It keeps you accountable from now going way over in that category, right? It helps you do that. It also does this, it keeps you from overspending, which is what we just talked about there, going way over. Number three, it helps you stay on top of the budget, okay, knowing what's going on, being aware of where your money's going. And then number four, learn and adjust your spending habits. I'll tell you this, if you're like us, if you go several months without being diligent on top of your budgeting and finances and you write things out, or if you've never done it before, it'll probably shock you how much you spend in some categories. It probably, it probably will. If, you, if you've never sat down and wrote out how much you're spending eating out or how much you're spending at the nail salon or how much you're spending here, you write all those things out and you go, I spent that much last month in that. And it'll help you realize, well, maybe I need to dial that back a bit. That's a little excessive. Okay? So it really helps in that department as well. Now, on that step as well, on step number four about recording that, I, I understand some people are super diligent and they write it down right away. Uh, for me and my wife, it's every few days, maybe once a week, we'll actually sit down and write it out and be like, hey, we need to watch this. We're getting a little over. So we're, we're semi-diligent on it, but not like crazy, like as soon as it's done, writing it down. So work, do what works for you as far as doing that. But don't wait till the end of the month and then try to write it all down. You'll be like, what? What did I spend? $300 at Walmart. Walmart's always the bad one because it could be anything at Walmart. Was it groceries? Was it toiletries? Was it a new tire? I have no idea. I don't remember. It's Walmart. They have everything, right? So it's good sometimes to write it down while it's fresh on your mind and have it there. Okay, step number five is this. Repeat for the next month. Repeat 
for the next month. Before the next month starts, sit down and come up with the next month's plan or budget for your money. Keep in mind, although many months are the same, some are very different. Like for us, we're coming up on birthday season for our family. Kind of in the midst of it, I guess, because Evie had her birthday at the end of September. My birthday's this week, if you wanted to know. <laughs> and uh, Nate's is, we share a birthday. And so, and then Andrew's is like the week after that. So we kind of boom, boom, boom. My dad's birthday here was last week. My mom's birthday was a few weeks ago. So it's just kind of birthday season for us. Just boom, boom, boom. A lot of things happen. So we have to budget accordingly for that. And anniversaries, Christmas, stuff like that, holidays, seasonal purchases for us back to school is a big time because we homeschool. And that's a big chunk because we, you know, we spend thousands of dollars on, on a Becca and doing homeschool stuff. So that's a big time. We need to plan for that and know that that's coming. Uh, kids extracurricular like baseball and basketball that doesn't happen every month it's kind of a special thing and then of course semi-annual expenses that happen there insurance oil changes doctor's trip things like that that don't happen every month be aware of that and maybe budget a little every month to be ready for it or plan that that month you're going to have to dial back in other areas so that you can cover that expense so repeat month by month so I'll say right now we're almost towards the end of October so right now is a great time to start planning for November and get that budget set and towards the end of each month start planning for the next month and the next month. So let me give you a few things here, budgeting tools that might be helpful uh, for you to use. Now again, this is not an exhaustive list. It's not even close to that. There's so much stuff out there. There's probably something that you're using that I don't know and if it works for you, use it. Okay. Uh, there might be, if you do some research after this sermon lesson here tonight, there's probably something that you'll find that you go, wow, that's exactly what I need that'll help me in this area. So these are just some ones that I'm aware of that I've used before that can be helpful tools. So I'm a big proponent of software that's out there, apps and tools that you can use. Uh, one of them that's been around for ages that some of you all might have used before, Quicken is kind of a personal finance, like you can use it on your desktop. They've got an app now. It's kind of janky, but it works. It's cheap. It's easy to use. Another one is Mint. It's free. Um, if you never, use, it'll sync up with your bank account, and you can track your expenses really easy with it. Um, I'm not a big fan of Mint. I know if they're still using it, my brother-in-law, uh, they were using it pretty prolifically, so that's a good one. One that we used for a while, but it got a little pricey, is Yanav. That's how I pronounce it, at least. You need a budget. Is is it's a spelling of that. And uh, th this one's pretty robust. It does a lot, but it's not cheap. It's, you know, a couple hundred dollars a year or something to have that. But it can be maybe a useful tool if it's something that would be helpful for you. Okay. Um, <clears throat> another one here is just an Excel spreadsheet. If you like using spreadsheets on Excel, uh, when we had our businesses and stuff, that's how I tracked everything. I just, I'm pretty good with writing formulas on Excel, and that was easy for me to do. For our personal budgeting, what we found works really well because it's very user-friendly and it's free and it's just easy and they've got a good app is Dave Ramsey's thing called Every Dollar. And so if I were to recommend any of these for a budgeting tool to help you stay on track, it's just Every Dollar. So Evie, if she's at the gas station, she's pumping gas, puts $50 in the tank, she can punch that in, it'll auto-update on my phone and then I in real time know where we're at on everything with our budget and what's been spent, where it's been spent at. And then when that happens, I can call her and be like, why'd you buy that? <laughs> that usually happens the other way around, right? Uh, so I found that those are useful tools. Again, 
that's not everything. I've just found for us um, software like an app works really well. That's just my generation. Uh, so that might be something that's useful and helpful for you. Other people have found maybe an old school system like an envelope system works well for them. So this is where you just use cash and you say, here's an envelope and on this envelope we're going to put eating out and you put $50 in there and when the $50 is gone, it's gone. So if you lack discipline, that might be a good way to do it. Just be sure and put the envelope somewhere where they're not going to get lost or stolen if you're putting all that money in envelopes. But I will say this, for some people, that is a really good system because they go, well, I want to eat out. Oh, there's a dollar and 25 cents. I guess I'm getting a taco tonight, right? Uh, that's all that's left. So it can be, help you be disciplined in that. And then another way, again, just maybe an old school way, is just a piece of paper. You just sit down with a, a, a piece of notebook paper and write everything out on paper and just track it on paper and do the math right there on paper. So if that's what you do... Uh, Praise the Lord, more power to you. Amen. I've just found uh, apps and systems that are built for that usually work really, really well. So let me give you some practical application for your personal financial life. Okay, number one is this. God wants me to plan ahead and be a good steward. Okay, so we look at scripture. Our God is a God of order. He's a God of structure. And he loves for us to be thoughtful and to plan and not jump into something half-baked because that tends towards want. Right? Plenteousness is when there's thoughtfulness. So God wants us to plan ahead, be a good steward. Number two is this, set up a monthly budget. So just kind of an action point here. If you've never done this before, sit down and do it. Write out your income, write out your expenses, zero it out, track them for the month. And I'm telling you, you'll go, oh, wow, I never realized I was spending this much on this. And you're going to find all kinds of money you never knew existed. You say, find it. It's always been there. Yeah, you'll find it. Trust me. You'll go, wow, I have all this extra money now because I've got more disciplined in saying no to some things so I could say yes to greater things. It'd be a great thing to do. Okay. And then number three here, track your expenses and gain control of your money. Uh, money's either going to control you or you're going to control it. You say, well, what's the difference? A budget. I mean, there's no other way around it than to say that. Money's either going to control you or you're going to control it. And the difference between the two is a monthly budget. Amen. Well, let's all stand together. We'll have a time of invitation.